let me toot my own horn for a little bit, which, you know, in this day and age probably means in most people's heads something that that idiom should not mean. It's supposed to be a literal figurative thing, not a, not a figurative figurative thing. But anyways, maybe I should just start recording again. Uh, but uh, I had I had just finished a webinar, part one of the Business Bottleneck series, and um, I, I co-presented the webinar. And for someone like Rand and others who have ever done a webinar, you know, you're probably like, oh, co-presented. Ugh. But I co-presented it with uh, one of my new work friends, this guy, Rick Clark. He's worked in the OpenStack world at Master Cl- MasterCloud, MasterCard, all sorts of other places. He also lives in Amsterdam. And it was I started I started talking with him about, you know, the you know, the way the business needs to change to enable the digital transformation. He's got a lot of fascinating stuff and he's never done a webinar before. And so this is the most preparation I've done for a webinar for, I think, five years. <laughs> like I, I, I talked with someone about it. I, we had multiple phone calls. We worked on slides. We wrote out scripts. We did all sorts of things. We just worked on content. But I think, you know, we'll see what the critics say when it's time to come out. And always, you know, I'm always afraid when I do any public speaking, including every episode of this podcast, that I'll unintentionally uh, say something stupid, which will cause me, you know, irreparable career and life harm just through, through some slip of a tongue. So I, I don't think we said anything terrible, but I think it came out pretty well. It's very exciting. I don't, I don't get a chance to like, uh, I don't know, help people do new things every now and then. And I think he was, he was totally into it. It was fun. All right. Hey, couple of quick uh, webinar questions then for mm-hmm. you. One, was it, so was he just like a little bit nervous, didn't know what to do, so he just wanted to like, you know, really be prepared? Was that what caused the extra preparation? Or oh, was yeah, it the yeah. fact that, yeah, okay. Yeah, and no, the next it, one is, well, just to, just to, to overly specify, I mean, he had never, I don't know if he had ever attended a webinar. I mean, he must have like seen at least one because he knew what a webinar was. But he basically, let's just say, had zero experience consuming or producing webinars, right? And so, Ooh, fantastic. So I had to just kind of like, you know, you know, and 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 he he comes as most people, he comes from that perch of like, um, this is all marketing throw up. I mean, I mean, that's I'm I'm putting it in my words. I don't like to speak on other people's behalf, but it's sort of like, oh, I mean, I know this thing exists, but I've been busy like doing my job. <laughs> and so I don't Got like it. I don't have firsthand experience consuming or doing this. So, yes, yeah, so most of the prep work was just like, here's the idea for what we're going to talk about. Here's what I mean by that idea. Oh, now we both understand each other. It's not only, you know, me explaining stuff to him and he comes up with ideas and they were like, all right, now we're going to like nail it down into a format that we can stick into 40 to 50 minutes. And then we got to figure out like handing because we didn't do the the standard setup for a webinar we did the most complicated setup for a webinar. You got webinar number one, one speaker just does something. Webinar yep. number two, analyst presents about industry macro context. Vendor comes in at the second and says, we're awesome. You should buy our shit. Webinar yep. number three is, is there. let's skip over one that I just came up. Webinar number three is you actually have people generally co-presenting slide by slide, talking and handing off and stuff like that. There's another model where you have, it's more of a panel discussion where you might have a customer, a vendor, and an analyst, but let's just set that aside for a moment. But uh, we did number three, the the most difficult one. So we had to do a lot of coordination, who leads the slide, what's the follow-up, what are we talking about here so you can fill in things I forget, so forth and so on. Okay, so you kind of did the, the like, you're, throughout the webinar, you're both talking and you're yeah. both giving a little bit of slack. You didn't do the, the pure handoff, like the analyst no, to no, vendor no. or the the uh, vendor to customer, right? So you did. Well, that's good. I think that's generally, uh, if you're going to watch a webinar, those are the ones I enjoy the most. The most where there's essentially some conversation happening exactly. uh, as part of the webinar. I, I've said this many, many times, like, uh, the human beings are not, neither do they want to hear someone speak for like an hour, uh, I think, on a webinar and just looking at slides without being able to see the person. Oof. I always felt like it's very, it's very, very difficult uh, to like hold someone's attention. So just having two voices, I mean, three, you know, two or three people talking, like it allows you to uh, enter a, a virtual conversation. Yes. Makes it much easier. Makes it much easier to just stay up on. So don't, uh, uh, although I've been forced into giving many uh, webinars, and it's always funny, like when you've been talking for 30 minutes just by yourself. I don't know. There yeah. is this point. And sometimes I look up, I'm like, wow, 
like I wonder if anyone's actually listening anymore, you know? So yeah, or like you yeah. misstate a phrase, you're like, oof. So, uh, well, good. I look forward to, uh, I assume this will be posted. I'll, yeah, I'll, we'll, have I'll, to John, well, I need to, uh, Johnny Lee Jin myself to, to view it. I assume. Yes. And for, well, well, okay. I shouldn't say, unfortunately, let me, let me, let me write a, 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 a note here, put in link to webinar in show notes. Right. Now this that, is good. I'm talking about good podcasting. This yeah. Now, podcasting. now show notes will be available at software to find talk.com slash one ninety nine. Uh, if you, if you want to view them, but, uh, what what were you saying? Yes, you could you can you can view a version of this, and and I have to say we there might be a better one, but currently of the webinar platforms I know of, we're using the best one, which is Bright Talk. We could you know if we had our if we have a special exegesis episode one time, I think we probably did one on webinars, but we could go over webinars. But Bright Talk, not too shabby. But yes. Sadly for you, the lazy viewer, you do have to lead gen yourself. You have to lead gen yourself. Happily for us, the people who would like to sell software, you have to lead gen yourself. And this is why this webinar is on Bright Talk and not on YouTube. That's the only thing. uh, I will say, like, I think a quick, uh, a weird uh, place to learn, like, some webinar tricks. I I don't know. I think this is a little bit off their beaten path. People don't think about it. Is... uh, kid uh, youtube videos where you watch ah, the yes. stuff that kids watch like and it's like at first you're like this is total nonsense but you do get a sense of like how they keep people's attention right and that the fact that they're mostly homemade uh videos so sometimes when i'm watching you know i of course i do allow my son to watch youtube please go ahead take a moment and judge me beyond that though um when we're watching it together sometimes i'm like wow they're doing some smart stuff here they're like mm. holding people's attention there's no bo- there's no powerpoint slide at a, a kid youtube video right there's like some yelling people jumping into like slime oh but it, so it does, much yelling it, it keeps your uh it keeps your attention so yeah if there was like a version of adult youtube webinars where there was less yelling and it's not. I don't need to be jumping in the slides. I just need people to be saying something that's kind of interesting. This is, you know, uh, I, I that's what I want. I hadn't. I agree completely with you. I hadn't thought about it this precisely. So I was doing the other day. We're 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 uh, we're my dog's very excited. So you know, pardon for the listeners if there's some weird noises. But uh, we we were walking to the bus stop, and I was doing my best Pat and Jin impersonation. Who are these uh, Minecraft video people? And I I, I, I won't do it here. I got to work on it more. But I have to say, you know how I think it wasn't even our parents who are yelling at us ironically i think it was i think it was our parents parents who are upset about their loud music like instead of uh i don't know herb alpert they were listening to like you know cream or something and it was some abomination of sound and i you made me just realize brandon that now we are the greatest generation talking about why are these kids always yelling in their videos they're like they're just <laughs> They're just like, oh my god, what is? I mean, it's just like they just yell. That's the whole they, Le- legitimate like, question here. It's like, because uh, it's not so much that like I dislike, you know, maybe you like the content, maybe you don't. Maybe you like the music, maybe you don't. But but I, I almost wonder like if there is some medical explanation because like you can walk in my house sometimes when my son is watching like in the main room watching TV and he's watching YouTube, and I would just say, just as a human being, that's all I'm talking about. Just as a normal human being, I feel like <laughs> it is. It is too loud. It's not like there's no judgment on anything other than we all have ears. We are the same species. It is clearly the volume is too loud. And yeah. I'm assuming everyone has like doesn't have any actual hearing problems. So so this kind of I go back to like do kids like not hear as well, which I don't think is the case. Right. Or like why do like because I, I will walk in sometimes and it is like I'm being yelled at. I'm just like you just need to turn it down. Like you don't have to stop watching it. But it's I think it's too noisy for you. It's too noisy for me. I think it's too noisy for everyone. Yeah. But uh, no matter how many times there's no rational argument uh, that can be made that um actually keeps my son from uh, uh, not turning it up too loud the only thing would be some type of technology like literally preventing the volume from going over a certain amount so i know and that, uh, that has stuff an that's to this question that stuff never know. seems to work like i feel like there was a setting on ios for something like that and like i don't uh-huh. but i don't think i ever felt like it worked like just set well, maximum volume I don't know on that. I mean, the different you have to like either uh, you know obviously if they're on an iOS device, maybe just maybe put in a headset. And of course, it's not your problem oh. anymore. They'll just be listening to it too loud. But the other one on TV sometimes they have like a they call it like hotel setting, uh-huh. where you can actually maximum you can actually go into your TV and say like you know the maximum volume it will go to is a certain level. I think uh-huh. it comes from like hotels obviously where they don't want somebody in a room down down the hall just blasting the TV. So I've seen that. And we kind of use that for other reasons. But uh, I don't know. I still don't quite understand why kids listen to it. I mean, because, again, I believe it's 
I'm not even judging the content. I just believe it's way too loud. But yeah. they don't. They don't seem to care. These kids these days. Kids these days. Man. That's right. I remember when I used to have to like buy a cartridge to put into my video game system to play it. And, <laughs> like I just it's a diff, diff, different time, different time. Well, also related. So next week, uh, hey, hey, listeners, are you interested in going to a great conference and uh, doing some last minute travel booking? Next week, in less than a week, at Spring One Platform, October seventh to tenth in Austin, Texas. Blah blah blah. There's a discount code if you actually want to register and get two hundred dollars off. It will be very nice. I've I've put a lot of work behind the scenes into uh, this conference. Not as not nearly as much as most people who work on it, but. It'll be great. But people kept asking me uh, for recommendations, uh, things to do in Austin, especially European people, because I don't know if people know this, but not that many people actually go to Austin relative to like, you know, New York or Paris or something. So it's a bit everyone knows about it, but it's a bit of an exotic thing. So I I, uh, I finally sat down yesterday. I'm not sure why. And, and as as part of my uh, my every other, every third or fourth, whenever, whatever frequency of the newsletter, I thought yesterday's newsletter would be about my my tips of things to do in Austin. Now, even short-term listeners can probably predict that basically it's all just about things to eat. I didn't really have much commentary on uh, on other things. But I basically, I clustered my recommendations being things to eat into the meals and uh, some subcategories of meals that you should have. And I just, I just want to, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, I would encourage you, however, to just subscribe to my newsletter. When you subscribe, it automatically sends you the last letter. At least it tells me it does that. Uh, but you can go back and look at this. Um, and uh, I'll, again, I'll be very brief here. For breakfast, obviously you're going to have breakfast tacos. There's a long explanation of what's going on there, but what you want to do, let me just get to the nut of it. You want to order two breakfast tacos. One, you're going to order a bacon, egg, and cheese, and breakfast tacos come on a flour tortilla. Don't worry about that, but just beware. And uh, you're going to get that, but then you're also going to order Amiga's breakfast taco. Now, you're going to eat the bacon, egg, and cheese taco first, which is like your baseline. Then you're going to eat the Amiga's taco for sort of, Amiga's taco for sort of like this is what the advanced level is like. So that's what you got going on for breakfast. And then at lunch, and lunch is any time between, let's say, 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., depending on what's going on. You want to have some barbecue for lunch. What you're going to eat for barbecue, you're going to order. I've, I neglected to put in that you want moist brisket. Moist is Texan for fatty. Uh, so I think at Franklin's, he's like, do you want the fatty brisket? And so maybe he says fatty. You know, I haven't been there in a long time, Brandon. People always bring that up. And and oddly enough, I don't know if you if 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 people know this, but if you go look at the first Yelp review ever written for Franklin's, it's from me. <laughs> and I gave it three stars. So Oh, oh wow. <laughs> but that, wow, that was about something we gotta put in the show notes. That that Man. was that was back when it was a trailer in a in a uh, real estate in a, in a real estate company that was in a in a bean roasting company that was in an old gas station next to uh Star Seeds, basically. And I mean, I don't know. I've been there since. And like, maybe uh, I probably just shouldn't say anything. I mean, I just like grew up eating barbecue. It's okay. I think you can say like it, it. There's a few places here that I think with some local knowledge that people feel like is a little bit overrated. I think. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm just I'm going to throw them out. I'm just going to name names. I think the salt lick a little bit overrated. Oof. I haven't had. Franklin's. I have lots of thoughts on the salt lick. And then, uh, you know, I've I have not. You know, the problem with Franklin's is the line. So mm. this is what that's the big thing. But exactly. I haven't I've had it at other places because, you know, they brought it in or like had it yes. catered, um, which is great. But every time I've had it, I've always been like, hmm, like, I think you know, I, I I'm think, not not as impressed. And then people are like, we well, yeah. didn't have it in the from the regular place. So I was like, yes, but it has a long line and I'm I'm probably never going to wait. In that I, line. I think so, I think I think you're spot on. The cost to performance ratio is just all out of whack for me. Right. It's not it's not mm -hmm. bad at all. It's great barbecue. It's. Like there, there's, there's only like, you know, three, five places in the world where you can get barbecue like that. And the other four have no line, right? So it's just like, there's no, anyways, moving on. Uh, I love what they've, what, what that dude and his people have done for, uh, for our little culture. It's fantastic. But, you know, I, I would recommend just either going to Cooper's downtown or just go to a style switch up North if you've got the time, but you're going to have barbecue. You're going to get yourself some brisket, some ribs. Probably pork ribs. If they have a beef rib, get one of those and get some uh, some chicken and sausage. And just like, just get it all. Don't worry about it. And then uh, you're going to eat some beans and coleslaw. You don't need to put a sauce. Don't put sauce on anything. 
I mean, you can, but don't like cover it in sauce, which is a salt lick problem. This is, there's lots of issues with the salt lick. We've got to figure this out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just so, hey, just a quick meta uh-huh. comment here for you. Uh, I just, I don't know. I haven't done a word count here, but like, I think this may be your longest newsletter, Kote. Just like, just spot checking, like how many people. <laughs> I'm like, I like the fact things to do in Austin is potentially. If it's not your longest newsletter, it's up there. Yeah. This thing, this you talk about some some aggregators waiting to get a hold of this content. This is this is some this is some good stuff here. They, yeah. This this becomes a blog post somewhere. We're getting millions of hits on this. I mean, this I think I, there might be ten blog posts in there. You know what I'm just gonna do here? I'm like I because uh, there's a uh, ACL is gonna be here next week. Another reason for if you're not going to a tech conference or if you're coming to a tech conference and you want to stay, you should all everyone should go to ACL. I'm gonna forward this to my ACL people. I'm gonna say, oh, don't nice. worry, it's not a tech, it's not a tech thing. This is just an Austin thing. So yeah, like and, and that, that's a, that's another meta commentary about obviously what I care about is I in no way mention I mentioned music once, but I don't mention that next week when you're there, there's gonna be one of the biggest music festivals <laughs> that, that happens. Yeah, people from around the world will be coming in. I won't be going to that either. I don't like I don't. People ask me who's playing. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't even know. Like when is it? I actually have friends coming in, so I know when it is. But like I was like, yeah, I'll drop you off and you can go. I don't want right. to go. I absolutely right. do not want to go. I, I got to go pick up some tortillas is at H-E-B. I'm too busy for that bullshit. <laughs> I don't have time for that. And then, and then for dinner, of course, you're going to have some Tex-Mex, right? And then I got, I always like to throw some shade at California Tex-Mex and burritos that are, you know, the, uh, you know, vertical burritos versus horizontal ones, but whatever. Well, you, you just, you just pick out some, uh, some soft tacos. Don't get crispy tacos for Christ's sake. Get some soft tacos or chalupas or fajitas. Just order fajitas. You'll be fine. You'll, you'll enjoy it. And, uh, you know, then there's some commentary on margaritas and iced tea and beer and, uh, you know, chips and things like that. And uh, there's a few other suggestions. I can go around Town Lake or Lady Bird Lake, as it were. You can see the bats, have a burger at the Driscoll's, walk around South Congress. But I think, uh, you know, I, I'm here's more tooting of my own horn. I think it's a, it's a pretty good list of recommendations. And there's, especially since I was writing this with my new European friends in mind, I tried to emphasize... Not only some like American customs and culture, but also some uh, some kind of I wouldn't say there's regionalisms, but things that if you do while you're in Austin, while you're in Texas, things will go easier for you than if if you don't do them. And to pick one out in particular that I think is a uh, a particular oddity for people who aren't Americans is there we have we have we don't realize this until we go talk with uh, foreigners, as it were, and I mean that in an endearing way, but. We have a couple of very ritualistic things that if you deviate, seem really weird. Like, for example, when you show up, you have to ask people, how are you? How are you doing? And, uh, and they're supposed to say, good. How are you? And then you say, great. And then you conduct business. Like, there is no, there's no other very, unless you're like very expert level and you want to play around with it. It's just like, you, that's the way, that's the equivalent. Like, when I get on the bus here to take my kids to school and it's the morning and I, I apologize to all the, the, you know, the Netherlanders and Netherlandsus and whatnot out there. But like I say, Morgen, and that's just what you do. And then you move on. But uh, it's much more complicated uh, back home. You got to say, how are you? They say, how are you? You're good, good, good. Now, what the fuck do you want? But you say it in a very polite way. <laughs> you don't. You don't. To be clear, you don't say the the what do you want. I love. Part. I love this quote for your newsletter. Non-alcoholic drink refills are free. Hand to God. So I guess you know. Again, I don't even think that as being a thing. But I was like, yeah, I guess. I guess that's not the case. Totally. Here, is it? You know. No, you know what else? No. They, you know what else we have in in America? Napkins. As napkins? many napkins as you want. You want more napkins? Nope. You know what? You ask your waiter for napkins. They will bring you enough napkins to survive the winter in Minnesota. If you just use those for a blanket, <laughs> they just will cover you in napkins. Whereas wow, here, like, whereas mm-hmm. here in Europe, you ask for a napkin and they kind of squint their eyes at you. Like, you know, they're like, you know, you old Gen Xer, you're going to die in 20 years. And I am 22 and I'm going to die in 50 years. And me giving you these napkins is going to destroy our planet. So here's a napkin because you're so goddamn sloppy with the way that you eat and you can't function in normal society. Basically the reaction you get around here. Wow. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> good to know. I'm a little, a little frightened to ask for a napkin in Europe, but okay. Man, and, and, and boy, talk about a land of hand dryers. Oof. 
I, I try not to mention that because we got a hand dryer problem back at home too. But uh, anyway, so that's a rundown. I'll, I'll, that's a very brief summary. It's about 2,800 words. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, and uh, I think you'll have a good time if, if you read through that stuff. Do you, do you think I left anything out? Any, any recommendations you would give for uh, others coming in? Yeah, no, I think I think you I think you've nailed it. I think the, all the other stuff is you you know you got to find your own interest. Like you like music? Yeah, we got like a world famous uh, music concert. I don't know anything about. It, I don't care. If you like football? There's a lot of football here. If you're into that, mm. you can uh, you can check out some uh, some of that stuff. But this is a good. I think pretty much everyone has to eat. Uh, and then I would say uh, the the <laughs> most of the focus here is uh, and rightfully so is on uh, on meat, and uh, that's the way I would be eating here in Austin, or I, I often mm-hmm. do. But there are mm-hmm. plenty of. Uh, vegetarian and vegan this is places. very true uh, this is very if true. you uh if you don't partake in uh the barbecue there will be many options yes. for uh people that don't want to so i think it's good uh, this is good i've already i've sent it off to people i've even qualified it like don't this is not a tech thing this is an awesome thing so read so I'll, I'll let you know what feedback i've given and you while you've written it for foreigners i think i think the content is just as good for people from maryland as well so yes. i'm just i'm yes. afford to might as well be a different country right because if you're not from texas you're pretty much a foreigner, and yes, that's what yeah. people will tell, as, tell you. So as I like as, uh, as at the, I, I make a note of that at the end and link to this, uh, you know, a, a recording of Lyle Lovett singing his "That's Right, You're Not From Texas." And as he says at the beginning, you know, I, I go to a lot of other places, and you know, they mean well. And he's 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 got his own unique, great way of uh, delivering jokes. But yeah, it's uh, good good tips if I don't say so myself. Well. Let's let's say let's say that uh I don't know you're you're hanging out in Austin you might you might have a uh, a friend a loved one a partner something like that back home and you're like now they have told me not to end my life early by eating delicious fatty moist beef and they are going to be monitoring all of my internet traffic with the help of you know because they're in a foreign country Actually, the local laws don't, you know, laws don't apply, so they have that that deal with the NSA where they can spy on each other's citizens. So I don't want them to be able to see these pictures and my texting about eating delicious fatty meat that might end my life early, even though I've enjoyed it, and make them sad. What what's some something they might use to make sure that they feel secure in in uh, their digital life eating meat. Well, we have just the thing. Um, this episode is sponsored by the Hide My Ass VPN. When you are out, <laughs> out of your house and online, you never know who's watching. And that's why you need to start using Hide My Ass or HMA. HMA VPN is the VPN you can count on. They just launched a new version of their product, which is the biggest update yet and makes it one of the best VPNs currently available. HMA is the largest VPN service offering over 280 locations, so there's always a server nearby. HMA never logs your IP address, so there is no way for anyone to see what you are doing. HMA uses 256-bit AES encryption to ensure your connection is safe and sound. You can connect up to five devices, and HMA supports all the major platforms, including iOS, Android, Windows, Macs, and Linux. They just launched a new version, which includes a new user interface, Lightning Connect, so you can always connect to the fastest servers automatically, a smarter kill switch for extra protection, and split tunneling that lets you choose what traffic gets sent to the VPN tunnel. To try HMA VPN risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee, visit www.hidemyass.com slash offer dash SDT. Again, that's www.hidemyass.com slash offer Dash SDT. And of course, that link is in the show notes. And we really thank them for being a sponsor. You know, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. If, uh, you know, we're, we're not we're not a big enough deal that there's there's some group of people who started some Wikia thing and cataloged all the stories that we tell over the years. But <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I've told the story of how Kim, uh, way back when, found the receipt for a uh, pulled pork sandwich in my pocket while doing laundry and discovered that I was, in fact, not a vegetarian. And, uh, you know, we got over it. We work through it. We didn't even have to hire some fancy professional uh, therapist from the city or nothing like that. We just uh, powered <laughs> through it. But you know, we, we're lucky enough, thanks to uh, thanks to the support that, that 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 you listeners give us all the time and over the years to have two ads, which means we get to have a geographic oddity. Now, this geographic oddity is another sort of log rolly thing to the newsletter. Uh, I've been collect every time I go back to the U.S. I try to collect together from people things they want me to bring back from the U.S. Now. 
these things either primarily these things should not really be available in the preferred format if at all here in Amsterdam and I just want to read through it's very it's a short list that I this is a newsletter before the things that people have requested uh first of all Benadryl I don't think that's really wow. available in in Amsterdam but you know everyone all the expats always want Benadryl it's I wouldn't say it's like you know cigarettes in prison but it is it is a it's a it's a what would you call it? Much, much thanked for commodity if, if you have it for people. And then I got my hair cut a few days ago. There's two things that the barber mentioned. He didn't say bring this back to me. He was like, oh, here are some things I've always wanted to try. And I'm looking forward to surprising him well, with these things. He said he wanted to try hamburger helper. So I've, <laughs> I've asked my mother to buy a box of hamburger helper. Now, Kim and I had some extensive discussion about is hamburger helper sloppy Joe or something else? And she has recently sent me a new text message I haven't looked at, but the pictures of Hamburger Helper I found were basically spiral noodles with creamy hamburger in it. Maybe there's something else, but I'll get a box of Hamburger Helper for him. He had the same to say about Twinkies. He's never had a Twinkie. And he also, I, I actually neglected this from my list, but he wanted uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So uh, it's Halloween time, so I'm going to get a big, gigantic bag of those and give it to Arla Barbers. Now, uh, one of my son's friends, he wanted to bring back Frosted Flakes. The Dutch barber, th- this this conversation I had with my Dutch barber was a, a case study of understanding <clears throat> Dutch directness, which is to say uh, the Dutch people are wonderful as long as you understand their API from an American perspective, right? So <laughs> I was saying like, oh, and then, a, you know, one of the kids like, uh, he, he wants me to bring back Frosted Flakes. And immediately the Dutch barber was like, we have those here. And what he didn't actually, so let me say it in American. We have those here. He didn't actually mean it that way. What he meant was like, huh, I think we have those in the grocery store. To put, to translate it back to, you know, polite American. So it's true. But I think, you know, he just wanted uh, Frosted Flakes. Now, on the other hand, I was talking with the barber later on, and he was like, oh, I always imagine that in an American grocery store, there's like this aisle that's like 15 meters of just cereal. And I was like, funny you should mention that. There's a whole aisle that we call the cereal aisle. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know. I have to like quickly do the conversion. I think it may be longer than 15 meters. I mean, I have, to, I have to walk it. Whereas here, these HEBs. Yeah. here you go to the Albert Hine and there's basically, let's call it one HEB shelf unit. No, no. It's like, it's like, it's like maybe if you're lucky, half of one HEB, HEB shelf unit of cereal. Cereal is not a big deal over here. Uh, all right. So next one of Cormac, the same person who asked for Frosted Flakes, asked me, first he asked me to bring back a Porsche. And I said, no, you probably want that from Germany instead of America. Yeah. And he True. said, all right, Ford Mustang. All right. So I okay. said, I have to bring an extra suitcase. Graham crackers. I always bring back graham crackers. Yeah, that's good. And my, my, my daughter, she's told me this 10 times. She wants Bucky's stuff. I don't know what oh, okay. that, I don't know exactly what that is. I'm going to figure something out. And then this is the one I've put on the list, HEB tortillas. Got to bring back some HEB tortillas. My son Cormac, he asked for Buddy Bucks, so we'll bring back some Buddy Bucks. Uh, <laughs> people always want Kraft macaroni and cheese. I always like Crystal Hot Sauce. And uh, also the same one who wanted a Ford Mustang and Frosted Flakes, he asked for a big bag of cheap gas station beef jerky. Uh, right. There and, you go. Uh, but yeah. while you're at, uh, <laughs> while you're at, uh, we're going to go, but not buddy, but you're going to, uh, Bucky's. what does your daughter want? Buck? Yeah. Well, you're Bucky's. You should stop in and get the uh, beef jerky. And that I, sounds like a, a I, good way to do both. Another thing I've put on the list, corn husks for making tamales. And, uh, nice. you know, that's yeah. not really available here. And then, and then also the, it turns out the frosted flakes kid, he had a lot of suggestions at first he wanted anything from Costco and Boise because that's where he's from. And then I had to be like, I'm right. not going to Boise. And he, and he looked at me suspiciously, and he was like, all right, anything <laughs> from Costco. So right. uh, that's that's on my list. All uh, right, well, that's uh, going to be quite the shopping. Uh, exp- you should, I, I would recommend take pictures and post them to the software Define Talk Instagram. This that is perfect. a good idea. Now, it would, yeah. it, it, it would be quite a bummer if I took all these pictures, and I was trying to share them with people on Instagram especially, and something was going wrong, and it was sort of down. And I had to call up Instagram support and be like, hey, I've taken a lot of time. I've traveled across the world to take these pictures and share them with my community, and I'm losing revenue by the second. Could you try to figure out why I can't share these pictures of a Ford Mustang in a carry-on piece of bag? And, uh, you know, is, is there is there some, some sort of tool or solution they might use to uh, help me out? 
I, I have just a thing for you, Kote. Funny you should ask. This episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. No one wants to find out about a critical operational issue on Twitter. With SolarWinds and Logly, you can spot issues before they affect users by setting up uh, alerting that will notify you immediately when a problem arises. Why stop there? Take it further and proactively monitor your applications using the Logly charts and dashboards to help you visualize what matters and quickly spot patterns across dynamically changing and interconnected services, events, and issues. Connect the dots across your log data with Logly. Logly is scalable, cloud-based log management that won't break the bank. Plus, SDT listeners get a special 20% off your first year yearly contract of Logly from now until December 31st, 2019. Hey, we got a new code, guys. You're back. Uh, when you mention that you're a software-defined listener, new customers only, void where prohibited. So this is what I want you to do. To try it for free for 14 days, just go to logly.com slash SDT. That's L-O-G-G-L-Y dot com slash SDT. Sign up, get a, uh, a new subscription going, and if it logs, it can log to Logly. And, of course, we thank SolarWinds for being such a great sponsor. Yeah, always nice, folks. A, a, a fine Austin company. I bet uh, I bet they go to Bucky's all the time to load up on beef jerky. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's been a uh, – I want to I want I I group together – Several related news items, like a, uh, like kind of like a like a jambalaya, if you will, you know, or a fried rice, or you know, I might even suggest I've, I'm working on a new theory in in a much lesser way. You know, I think a breakfast taco is kind of like a, a fried rice kind of jambalaya thing, which is to say, you know, it's got this base that you work with, but if you got some leftover stuff, like some leftover fajitas, maybe you got some leftover taco meat, you might even have some leftover like fried fish. You just throw that in there. Make yourself a meal. But I think in the same way that we got a bunch of little scraps running around, I think there's one solid item you can you can make out of this, and that is uh, there's some fun stuff going on in the open source world this week. I think uh, I have to admit I haven't read up on this, but I think you have. There's uh, we got the our, the Elasticsearch people doing a little trademark lawsuit with AWS. Further work trying to figure out what it means uh, when uh, when the license allows someone to make a lot of money off of your software without having to pay you. Tight spot, as they say in that one movie. And then um, I haven't dug into this. And of course, Pivotal does some stuff with uh, with K-Native, so I'm not really sure, like, you know, politically where where the the, uh, the graphite floor that I'm going to fall through is if I talk about it. But like, it looks like uh, Google's not going to donate K-Native to uh to to the the linux foundation to the cncf and then i think uh i think that also applies to istio right or it's undecided it seems to be that seemed to be the implication from what people are writing huh so and then uh and then and then of course our weird trick mafia friend has decided that uh maybe that state of affairs is is fine but i think i think uh i think ongoing there, uh, you know, I I have to admit, if you were to, to, I don't, I don't know why I have to admit it. Uh, my son has just brought me a uh, a nice little meal, uh, which is great. I took a picture. I'm gonna take another picture of this, and then I'll get back on track. But I'll uh, I'll probably use this for the uh, the show notes because he really, you can tell he actually knows what I like to eat because he has he has a stack of crackers that he has dumped hot sauce on top of, <laughs> which I think <laughs> that's the right move. That's the uh, just a fantastic meal right there. Okay. I love it. Can, let's see. Let me. Uh, where can we put this? Um, we'll put it here. Well, first of all, oh, what is this beverage? This is this is this is the real time. Oh, and you even he got this glass tray. Uh, okay, I'm gonna enjoy wow. that in just a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> open source. You know, if you were to ask me several several years ago if open source would be interesting again, I would say no very boring like <laughs> open source licensing you know we got we had uh we had that web mink guy made a lot of noise figured things out and uh and then and then you know sunbot mysql were cool all over like all the hoopla is over but man and even even the uh i guess there was a little little uh dalliance of fun there in the open stack world and then kind of we kind of like uh smoothed over that calic in kubernetes but like I think I think in the I don't know how you feel, but I think the past six, maybe even twelve months, there's just like a lot of fun stuff going on in the open source world. A lot of a lot of ups, a lot of ins and outs, kooky things happening that uh, I wouldn't have expected. 
Yeah, no, I think we, I think you're definitely true. And I think this Elasticsearch thing is kind of, it's interesting because, uh, you know, going back to an interview, I think Matt and I did with Adam Jacob, former founder, CEO of uh, chef, right. And, you know, his big point, I think that I took away from that interview was a lot about, Hey, an open source project, right. It's more than just the code, right. It's about the community. And so what I think is interesting here is that this is kind of a different tact, right. Elasticsearch, I think, and if, you know, just to state the obvious, like a big part of a community is the name. How does everyone identify themselves? What is it? So in this case now, while AWS is, you know, if you will, forked off and is essentially you know, created another version of Elasticsearch, I, th- I think what Elasticsearch is kind of, you know, the response is very interesting saying like, hey, you can't use our name and you can't use the name even in this the sense of like, you're saying you're different, but you're not really saying you're different, right? You can't say, hey, Elasticsearch, it's just like Elasticsearch or it's AWS you know, on Elasticsearch. So this idea of like fighting over the trademark, I think is a proxy for fighting over the community, right? So, and I think, you know, even Matt and alluded to this with Chef, it's if you want to take the code and go do something new with it, great. That is absolutely what an open source license um, should allow or does allow in most cases. What you can't do is then try to like pick up all the other things around it. You can't use the name. You can't say that we're the we offer the same benefits. You can't you know you need to go out and actually, if you will, create your own brand, create your own um, new community or your new offering around that. So I think this is I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see how this legally plays out because it is going to be much harder for people to just take things if you really aren't allowed to mention the name of the thing it came from at all, right? And that, you know, kind of gets back to this larger idea of, you know, you can have the code, that's what open source allows, but you can't take the community. You're not, we're not going to allow you to take the community and all the community benefits with you. You got to go create your new community. Um, And you've seen other instances where, where we've talked about this in the past, where people really have done that. They've broken off, given it a new name, right? Given something and kind of create a whole new community. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not, obviously, you know, it's always a legal disclaimer, (laughs) No, don't know enough about trademarks to understand, but I thought their initial take on it, the fact that like that they said something along of by using the name this way, even alluding to it, right, is creating confusion. And I think if anyone's ever named something at a company and it uses another brand, what you the way you usually get around it is you just you invert uh, the name and you put it at the end as of a prepar- uh, prepositional phrase, right? You say something mm. like and and X for Y, right? You know, it's like uh, and people are, you know, lawyers seem to be fine with that. But most of the time, the why is like you're just integrating it, right? It's like integration for pager duty, right? It would be, you know, so-and-so's integration for a, a brand name. And most of the time, the other brand is okay because they want you to explicitly say they do the integration. Yeah. So in this case, right, um, I don't know if that's going to work out. And I don't know, you know, if, you know, when you think about enforcing trademarks, um, this may become kind of like the new open core is trademark you know, is sort of like a trademark enforcement. So mm. I'm interested to see how it, how, how it happens. We'll have to see how the, I guess the trial and, um, what comes of this going forward. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, my understanding is like, I think in a permissive licensing scheme, which is to say not GPL, uh, like trademark is the only, I know this isn't, you know, I'm also not a lawyer just in case people don't know this. Uh, but like, I think trademark is the only like actionable thing that you have like somehow there's patents and stuff, but it's the only, the only thing you can use as, as a weapon (laughs) because you're basically like giving the code away, but it is, you know, generalizing as, as I want to do. It is an interesting, I wonder, I wonder what the kids think of this nowadays. Cause back when we were the kids, there was almost like, this was the era of like, you know, Lawrence Lessig and Cory Doctorow and like all these, these like, you know, copyright hippies and like their community commons. Yeah. All yeah, and, and, yeah. And the intellectually frustrating thing I always had with them is like, you could have chopped down this 50 minute presentation into one statement. Copyright should not exist and then just be done. Right. Just be like copyright is a moral hazard and has no, no worth to it. And, uh, so you should just be able to copy and produce whatever you want without paying people. And they would be like, ah, well, but it's just like, no, that was like, that was the only conclusion of all of that stuff. And you can have some distracting discussion about micropayments and how this, that, and the other, but it's like, effectively what you're saying is copyright should not exist. And like, you should just be able to do whatever, which is, 
I always thought was like the um, that was like the devilish. Maybe I haven't read all my uh, copyright hippie stuff from the early two thousands and understood it very well. But like there was that one. I think this was a, a Lessig thing of like, oh Disney, the big baddie. Like they basically got all of their valuable stuff from uncopyrighted work. So they're very much so hypocrites if they're saying that like when they do something, they copyright it and they extend it, and then you can never copy their stuff because the basis of their whole fortune is like using freely available stuff in the commons and something like that, which I don't know. It's sort of like, yeah, <laughs> like I don't. Well, all this, it always comes back to at some point, you know, someone has to ask for the money and some, at some point people yeah. have to have a reason to pay the money. And, and, you know, there's, I always think in some ways there's only a few answers here. It's like either open source, like there really aren't any protections here. So just don't try to build a business around it. That's fine. Right. Or, you know, and we've talked a lot of ways, a lot of different options for like other ways to build a business around open source. You know, often those won't be as attractive for venture capitalists, but still would be, you know, makes total sense that you could still do it. Uh, or you're going to get to the kind of like, you know, Again, just we're going to continuously kind of pick apart like what what really makes the open source thing valuable. Is it just the source code? Is it yeah, the source yeah, code yeah, yeah. plus the brand, or is it the source code, the brand, and the community that comes around it? And then in some cases, right, maybe um, what these companies ultimately do, right, is that's that's really going to be the way that they um, you know try to make money. And I think you know it was interesting this week. You know, Docker. There was an article written about that, you know, they're back trying to raise money and they were just kind of like going through the history there of Docker was worth over a billion dollars at one point. And now, you know, I, I think they allude to like, I think they'll certainly raise some new money, but, you know, it's definitely been more challenging uh, for, you know, in this case, Docker. And I think you kind of go back and look at that and say, you know, like what went on there with Docker, the fact that they wanted to be worth so much money, that seems to be kind of the original sin there, right? It's like once you're trying to like go to be the next VMware, mm. you know, there's only so many ways you can get there that, and they must almost all involve like proprietary licensing, right? So that's, that's maybe the biggest thing I would say. It's like, if you're, these things seem very well tied to me. It's like, if you're creating any type of open source project and you want to be a multi-billion dollar company, Right. You're those things probably don't go well together. Right. You probably should reevaluate that and say, like, we need some type of proprietary licensing model. Now, flip, flip that around, and say we want to create an open source company. We want to be worth tens of millions. Right. Um, that's probably a lot more uh, feasible uh, because you're kind of setting the bar in a much different level. So, mm. you know, in the case of Elasticsearch, though, what can they do? Right. They're already I mean, they're yeah. publicly traded. They have all this money. So in some you know, I, we should expect them to do nothing less. They just, this is an existential challenge for them, right? They have to find some way to fend off AWS and kind of these cloud vendors. And if they don't, you know, the company will have a really tough time going forward. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I guess, I guess it's the same danger of in, in a different legal structure of like fashion knockoffs where it's just like, you know, anyone can make a black t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. I think, you know, that to, to, to be generalized and tangential again, like I remember reading somewhere that one of the reasons I think back again when, when we, we were kids in the late 90s or early 2000s that all of a sudden all these luxury fashions start and even Nike started putting their name on everything is their name was actually trademarked. So they could come up with some sort of like fashion thing. And I don't know if this is true, but like it's easy, it's easier to like just copy like, oh, look, you've got that pair of pants where the crotch is three inches above your knees. And and so like people could just copy that, especially with, as I think it's called fast fashion or some shit like that. Um, but if you put like Nike or Gucci on it, they can't legally just put Nike or Gucci on it. So it makes sense to just like slap your name over everything. And then here we are where people just like, I mean, I think it's like, uh, you know tasteless and looks ugly but but that's like one way of routing around this ability to copy things and and i guess it's a little bit metaphorically of what we see here is like you can't call it elastic right you can't put gucci on your uh, your elastic search or whatever but then it also reminds me like there must be i don't know if despite the fact that i've i've heard from podcasts i listen to that adam smith actually also wrote a book on morals but i'm not sure economists actually study morals so much as like the thermodynamics of money flow but it seems like there must be some like if if not if if not like moral thinking some sort of like um heuristic of things to stress out about where where like 
the further a consumer is away from paying for the thing that's valuable, the more something can go wrong. For example, with open source, like the developer who just uses it never has to pay for it, and the operations people end up having to pay for it. So you've got this distance between the value that you have and paying for it or the person paying for it. But then also, like I was reading, um, I was reading my favorite newsletter, Money Stuff, from Matt Levine at Bloomberg, and he was uh, he was noting that I think it's uh, it might be Schwab and TD Ameritrade, like they have no more commissions for trades. You know, like uh, you know, like Robinhood, they have tradeless commissions, and uh, and so like that seems really cool. But then the way that they actually make money is they actually just make a percentage on the cash you have laying around in your account, which I think. I'm going to get this wrong, but he was saying that like Schwab makes like 15 or maybe even 40 billion dollars a year just on like money hanging out in accounts in the in the accounts there. Uh, and then also there was that coverage of like Robinhood where they're like selling that data to flash traders or something like that. But again, there's this moral hazard of like I'm not paying for this anymore, and so something weird is is going to be, ha- or I shouldn't say something weird is always going to be happening, but there's the danger that I might think something bad is happening if I'm not directly paying for it. And then, of course, there's everything that people think the tech industry is nowadays, like all your Facebooks and Googles and things like that, where, you know, because you're not paying for it, you are the customer and so forth and so on. But there must be, uh, I don't know, that seems like a problem. If uh, if you're giving for free in one hand and then you're collecting from money somewhere else uh, from another, it doesn't seem to uh, turn out very well for most people. Well, I think, you know, what most of the time is just being a knowledgeable consumer. So, you know, again, if you're uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with your tradeless commissions or some people say uh, <laughs> uh, trades with uh, that have no commissions. That's I a better that. way of putting no, tra- it. Tra- tradeless commissions is fantastic. Um, <laughs> that sounds like free money it, it now just, that I think of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I think, you know, maybe free checking is a good example. Like, you know, banks, you know, a more simple way, right? A bank is just like if you keep I mean, they don't say it this way, but if they just said, listen, if you keep X amount of money in your checking account, I'll give you the checking account for free because I'm going to make uh, whatever, a couple, you know, uh, fractional pre- percentage points off Some this money points. by loaning it out. Basis points. Thank you, Kota. Um, to, uh, and, and, you know, and it's like, I, I mean, I, we know that's going on. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, when I'm with a bank, I'm like, that's fine with me. I'm like, okay, good. You know what I mean? Good for you. Go, go. I, it, it's, I feel better about letting you make a couple basis points in profit than I do having to pay $25 a month to have a, a checking account here. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I think that that's the biggest thing is just do people know? Um, and, and so, you know, I think kind of back to this, you know, elastic search stuff, it's, you know, it does kind of come back to this. It's like how important is it to the end user that it really is elastic search. Right. And I think that, for a company like them, um, you know, their existence is dependent upon people feeling that absolutely, like just like you were talking about, like Nike and Under Armour, it's really important for me to put on an Under Armour shirt, right? Yeah. Like that is worth the extra ten to fifteen dollars per shirt, and um, and you know, and it very uh, well maybe. And I think if there's a place that I think if we went back in time, you know, because I was I thought about this that you know GitLab and GitHub. You know, like here are businesses that when when they got started, I was just like, "There's no money in this." You know, I, so talk about being wrong. And then you go back, and you're like, you know, they really use the same underlying technology. At least to me, they do. You know, and Git, right? Um, but you know, they've created these these strong brands in, in communities. Like people want to be have their source code in them, right? Especially GitHub, right? They there's a social aspect to it. There's a this is what my tribe does. Like this is how we all use it. This is the tool we all prefer. No, I don't want to use this other privately hosted thing that maybe even feature um, compatible with uh, you know all the other uh, you know really GitLab and GitHub. Uh, I really want to be there, and it's like that's probably the other thing about making yourself you know kind of becoming you know if you will not just a tool but becoming something that's kind of part of the way that the people use it because it's part of the community. And I think if you were to yeah. go back with Docker and maybe we went back in time, we would say if you want to be this massive company, it's it's really about you want to become like the repo or the Docker, Docker registry uh, or a container registry of choice for the whole world, right? We want everyone to believe that you're not something unless your container is registered inside the Docker registry, right? And if you go back and you say that probably was a much more defensible position, then we're going to build you know, proprietary extensions onto these open source tools, and that's how we're going to be worth billions of dollars. Now, easy to say that in retrospect, 
right? Like if I was in the room, I'm not saying I would have you know, figured that out, but it is interesting to see it, how it play out that, you know, Git just being a, a source code repository, right? And ultimately the companies that are creating value off of that look like you're going to be much more uh, valuable than, you know, in this case, Docker. Mm. Yeah. You know, as always, the uh the ur case study which which i i have no knowledge of it would be uh it would be fun to like look at like how red hat sells has 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 cornered the market on linux support so much right and and uh i mean you know my theory of 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 successful open source companies is that their first move is to just like you know knock out 75% of the total market, which kills off all the people depending on that money. And then they can just take over what's left over, uh, which I don't know if that's true. I mean, if you were to look at like operating system revenue in 2000, oh, it's probably, hmm, I don't know. It'd be fun to see what that slices. And then of course you've got windows and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I think they definitely have that brand effect uh, that you're saying. However, they probably also like actually give you something valuable in return for all that support stuff. And I think understanding how they got to that point versus all the other options out there would be would be interesting to uh, to know. But you know, that's that's old person stuff. No, no one no one has time for that grandpa shit to like help them uh, look through their photo album of uh, how things were in the old days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, I think as a final news item, I'm always interested in what happens at BMC Software. It looks like they have uh, they have someone from CA, or I'm sorry, CA Technologies, who's uh, moved over <laughs> to be their permanent CEO. I'm still, uh, you know, I follow them so little that I don't really know that they're still private. But uh, I, I, I will, I will be uh, entertained in a completely genuine good way. It'll be fun uh, to see how uh, if they go public again or what happens. I just, you know. We, uh, the three of us, one of us, which is clearly not here, we have that connection with BMC from long ago. So I hope they're doing all right over there. I, I had, uh, who was I talking to? I had reason to recount the, uh, the, the, uh, the cowhide elevators to someone. Uh, I know <laughs> we were talking about like culture and cultural problems and how things can get misaligned uh, when you're trying to work with other people. And so I went over the, I, and I guess for those who, you know, haven't gone into the future and read through every Wikia page that reaccounts the stories that we tell over and over again, uh, the legend was that in the Houston headquarters of BMC, the elevators that went up and down in the very tall building, being a Texas company, uh, were lined with cowhide. It's probably really nice, like with the fur and the patterns and everything. Is that fur? You call that hair, right? Brandon hides well because right? a, ca- a cow doesn't have fur mm-hmm. but a cow will have hair on it right yeah that's definitely true yeah. so it's hair I don't know okay. we'll go with that so it, it would have it would have the the cow hides up there and then and then as you know BMC was expanding uh and and bringing people over from its India offices over uh who who you know don't don't think it's a good idea to uh to kill cows let alone drape them in the elevator uh they realized that was a bad idea and to BMC's credit what i what i was told is those those cow hides disappeared very quickly they they uh, mm. they did not linger there for very long which uh, okay. it's a good good story but still it was it was shocking at first uh probably don't have those anymore i wonder what ever happened to those you know one time uh when i was at my old office that i was sharing when i was at red monk with charles and before that there was this guy uh, jay valanju who I worked with at Funds Express, and he went. He actually started a uh, loyalty uh, tracking program for community banks. Speaking of checking, you know, fee-free checking accounts or whatever. And we were walking around this old office that he was going to take over. And in one room, there was an antler chandelier. And uh, you know, we had this. I, I was kind of like, "What? Whose is that?" And he was kind of like, "I don't know." And, uh, you know, there was almost, I don't know, I don't think necessarily this was the case, but I feel like there was a crack in the door of, like, maybe it's yours now. But uh, I didn't take it. And I think about that all the time. I could have had an antler chandelier. Those are are hard to come across. And it was nice. It was worn in, a little withered, as if, like, I'd inherited it from, like, Wild Buffalo Bill Cote or something. But the moral of this whole episode is, you know... If if a man comes up to you and says he doesn't know whose uh, antler chandelier that is, it's yours. And you should take it. <laughs> you should take it. Love it. Well, do we have any, uh, you know, I've already mentioned the conferences coming up next week. 
I'm still not sure if Matt is actually going to be at Emacs Conf on November 2nd, but I'm pretty sure he will be. We've got a we've got a couple of discount codes. If you go to the show notes, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash one ninety nine. You can get these show codes because you won't be able to remember them unless you're writing them down. But KubeCon North America is November eighteenth to twenty first in San Diego. If you use the code, f- pardon me while I clear my mouth of the saliva that is being produced because of this wonderful dinner my son has brought me. <clears throat> if you use the code KCNASFTPOD. One nine, you'll get ten percent off. Also, if you go to Delivery Conf in Seattle, uh, that's January twenty first and twenty second. I presume that's next year, uh, unless you have that time machine I mentioned earlier. Uh, if you use the code SDT ten, you can get ten percent off. And the call for papers for that ends in just a few days on October seventh. So, uh, our, our good friend, long term supporter, wonderful uh, possessor, haver of a beard, no SSH JJ. I ran into him in the airport last time I was in Austin. It was one of the most delightful parts of the trip. We just caught up with each other and then uh, crossed paths in the airport there over the the juice that we were getting. Anyways, you should submit to that and check out the conference. It uh, There's another one you can look at and uh, kind of figure out what's going on there. should be fun. Do we have any feedback from listeners? Well, we got a lot of requests for stickers this week, so fantastic. Happy to send stickers to Leon in Germany, Ed in Seattle. Chris from uh, Bartsville and Joe in Colorado. So all of those guys, what they did is they sent me their postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And if you did the same, I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Always good to hear about people from so many different places. So send me an email. I'll get you some stickers. Yeah. Always good to send the, the mailing address. That's that's key. Well, as Very mentioned, helpful. you should uh, you should go to the Slack thing. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can find the Slack link there and the uh, the Instagram thing. I'm sure I'm sure they've downloaded and installed uh, Logly to kind of help analyze things and make sure my uploads work. That's totally cool. But uh, this week, Brandon, what do you have to recommend to people? A couple of simple things. One is uh, got the um, latest Apple Watch update, and this is by this is so this is a part of I guess we we'll call this a legacy conf uh, recommendation. So I think this has been in the Apple Watch operating system for I don't know several releases. But I just learned that you can turn off that like crazy honeycomb looking thing for your apps, and you can just make it a list view, which is so incredibly uh, much simpler to use. You just get a list of your apps, and you can just find the one and you click on it, like. I appreciate an innovative user interface, but like I can neither see the actual icons on that like app view, Mm. uh, nor can I actually, if I see one that is actually correct, I could never actually tap it correctly. So I'm, I'm grateful to return to just trust the old list view. So if you, if you have this, if you have an Apple watch and you like want to use other apps, just convert to the list view. And, uh, you know, you, you, it's, it's a fantastic improvement that's been available at least for two releases. So uh, you, there's a link in there that explains how to do it. If, if you're like me and you didn't know it, it didn't exist. Um, the other one I, I would uh, recommend here is uh, the Dark Knight Diaries, becoming one of my, quickly becoming one of my must-listen-to podcasts. They went through, uh, they call it, this episode's called Operation Socialist. And they went through how, um, I'll just, I won't give it all away, but basically how some different nation states were using very advanced technology to, sure enough, Kote, to you know tap into your, uh, network and see what you are looking at. So it reminded me of our sponsor. Like, man, I need to I need to get on these VPNs more often. I mean, people are definitely looking at stuff. So it's really a fascinating look into both how that technology works because it's pretty advanced and kind of the social and international repercussions of it. So Dark Knight Diaries in general, I like that. But Operation Socialist, if you're into security, you should definitely check that out. Mm. That does that does. I don't know. I mean. Uh... Yeah, that sounds good. I'm just I'm scared of that. Once once you two finally told me why all this identi- this uh, credential stuff is bad because of identity theft, I'm 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 worried now. I'm just going to uh, I'm going to burn it all and go live in a cabin or under a bridge. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be the identityless troll. It'll be great. I saw a guy at the grocery store. Uh, you know, not to make light of it, but he was just like buying a tin of sardines, and he had like a euro to maybe it was a two euro coin to stick into the thing. They still have those things at the. Uh, Vomar, Vomir, one of the grocery stores where like, you know, you put a coin in and it spits change out of the bottom. Man, I haven't seen oh, those. Wow. I haven't okay. seen those in a long time. But they got them here. Uh and uh they were also if if any of my uh of, of our our, uh, our our Dutch listeners are listening and can tell me, um how do I recycle metal around here? 
I've lived here over a year and I still don't know what I do with my cans and tin cans because you go there and you got the plastic recycling, wonderful, love it. You got the uh, you got the paper and cardboard, fantastic, totally into it. You got the glass recycling, wonderful, tasteful. Then you got the you got uh, pun intended. You got the rest, or I think they call it the restful, the the garbage that you put in there. But like, where do I put the cans? I don't know what to do. So someone needs to uh, tell me what to do with my. Uh, my cans. Well, my recommendation this week, speaking of things in, in the Netherlands, now you know me. I like I like a good notebook every now and then. I'm not crazy. But I was biking around the other day, and uh, I, I suddenly thought, I need to sit down and write something. I uh, got a little inspired. So, But I, I didn't have a pen. I had one of my field notes things. So I went, I found a Hema, and I went in there, and I was going to get a pen. Now, first of all, I got their, uh, I, don't, I don't have one. I got one here. Let me look at it. I got their set. There's a set of four uh, as it says, permanent marker, uh, Hema pins. It comes. It comes with a 0.5 millimeter, a one millimeter, and I think a two millimeter and one other ones. So I got the 0.5 millimeter out first, and I think it's perfect. If you're into like felt tip pins and stuff, the 0.5 millimeter uh, Hema permanent marker pin, black. I would prefer blue, but I have black. It's a good pin. However, there's another find. I was looking around for uh, some paper, and they actually have something. That on the cover, it says bullet journal. Now, if you know what a bullet journal is, it's just like makes you feel internet cool. Bullet journal is basically if you manage, if you imagine a piece of graph paper without lines and just dots at the corner, that's what a bullet journal is. And there's a whole like life philosophy of how to use a bullet journal to be whatever, but you know, whatnot. But it's, it's a size A5. I don't really know what that means. It's smaller than a, U, a, a proper US sheet of paper, maybe. Let's call it five-eighths the size of it. I couldn't really tell you, but it's a good notebook and it's got stars on it and it just says bullet journal. And I feel like I walked out of there paying like five euros for these four pins and a journal. But uh, next time you're, you're, you're at the HEMA or you're over here in the Netherlands and you go to a HEMA, get yourself a little bullet journal and the, uh, the HEMA permanent marker 0.5 millimeter. Now, of course, there's a typo here. They put a comma between the zero and the five on the 0.5 millimeter. So I might have to go ask for a refund because I'm not sure. <laughs> If that's, <laughs> I don't know what that means as far as the quality of this. Well, uh, you know, as mentioned earlier, let me just, you should subscribe to my newsletter. If there's two ways you can subscribe. One, I guess there's three ways. One, you could type button down dot email slash Cote and go directly to where to sign it up. If you don't like that, you can go to Cote.io slash newsletter, which you can click on a link that goes there because WordPress.com doesn't let you do embeds because of hackers, I guess. Or really, if you wanted to just like ask me for it in Twitter or Slack or something, I can send you a uh, uh, a link. But you should subscribe to it. It's fun. I, I have some little conversations going on with people in email because I don't know if you realize this, but no one cares about blogs anymore. They're dead, sadly. Uh, <laughs> and, and with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 199. If you look up in the menu area there, there's links to all sorts of other things, many things that we've mentioned. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. I always like to try to end our tours uh, at home in Texas because it's just something about, uh, well, it really gives you something to look forward to, getting to come home. People mean well, you know, but people in, uh, in other parts of the country, they just... <laughs> they think they know what it's like uh, down here. And some of them do, uh, but... Well, you can, you can tell by the way sometimes when people from uh, other places, by, when they come down to visit, by the way they dress, uh, they buy all the right clothes, but there's just something about them. Uh. <laughs> you say you're not from t-
Texas Man, as if I couldn't tell Well, you think you pull your boots on right And wear your hat so well So pardon me my laughter As I sure do understand Even Moses got excited When he saw the, the promised land That's right Oh, no, 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 no,